0: It's so good to have everybody here, and we get it. Noise is a part of families, and uh, we're excited about that. So, um, hope in the waiting. The reality for you and the reality for me is we're going to go through seasons of waiting. Are we not? We're going to go through some seasons of waiting, and some of those seasons are going to be very difficult. Some of those seasons, we're going to sit in and go, where is the hope in this? We're going to struggle to find hope. We're going to struggle to find joy and to find peace that we talked about last week, especially when things don't turn out the way that we want them to. If we're honest, if we're honest, most of us want things the way we want them to be, right? We like to get things our way. Raise your hand if you like to get things your way. Okay, good. Kids, look around. Kids, look around. There's a lot of adults that are there. We want things our way. We seem to be bent in that direction. And some of us have a hard time waiting. How many people struggle with waiting? Yeah. Yeah, that's me too. So we have this, we have this thing inside of us that we want things our way. And we have a difficulty in waiting, right? And then we live in a world that seems to push us and pull us in that direction. Is it not? To kind of push us towards, it's about you, and it's your way, and you don't have to wait. Everything can happen. I was just, um, on Monday night, it was Monday night, I was uh, heading to Panera, so I was down in between McDonald's and a get-go, right? You guys know where I am in Wadsworth, there at the Great Oaks area. And while I am sitting there at the light, you're going to think I'm making this up for an illustration. I am not. While I was sitting at the light, I saw three people run red lights, Three. Happens all the time. Drug Mart, right? You get to see it all the time. Three people ran red lights. Not only that, I saw the whole idea of turning right on red, right? Maybe you've seen this too, Greg. Right on red, that means that you're not supposed to cut anybody off. I sat there and I watched two or three people turn right on red right in front of people. Wanting things what they want, when they want it, right? Right in front of them. It would be bad enough if it was just in the right-hand lane, but they were actually going all the way over into the left-hand lane, Like nobody else was there. And then I am heading back to the church, right? So I'm on the bridge. I'm going to go 224 eastbound, right? The on-ramp there. Do you guys know where I'm talking about? And it's two lanes that merges into one. Okay, you guys are with me? So I'm to the point on the on-ramp where it's two lanes into one. It's one lane. One lane. That's where my car's at. All of a sudden on the left-hand side, zoom, White car. How many people have white cars in here? <laughs> it could have been you. could have been We need to talk. So just flew by me, and I sat there and was like, what? What in the world? And I did not have joy and peace at that moment. I did, and In in that moment, I should have had joy and peace and go, that could have been awful. That could have been an accident. Thank you, Jesus, for protecting me. But that's not what I thought. I thought to myself, you idiot. Like that was my initial thought. Now that I have everybody's attention, especially the kids, listen, I'm not saying that you should call people idiots. You shouldn't. I feel bad. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, so don't call somebody an idiot and go, Pastor Lynn does it, so it must be okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying. It's not right that I shouldn't have responded that way in my head. But if that wasn't bad enough, The next thought that came into my mind was, you don't do that to people, but especially not me. Oh, yeah. I was like, what in the, where in the world did that come from? But you know what? Even if we're not the issue, it can be difficult for us to wait, can it not? It can be really difficult. In fact, the last two years, I don't know about you, but almost the last two years, it just felt like continual waiting, just continual waiting, continual waiting, continual waiting, and maybe you're here today. I, in fact, I want you to think about right now: Is there something in your life that you're sitting in the waiting and you're struggling with it? You're struggling with it because it's not turning out the way that you want it to. You're struggling because um, it's uh, it's not turning out. Like I said, it's, it's 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 not turning out the way that you want it to. Um, sometimes it seems like it's getting worse right? You're just kind of in this waiting period. Do you have something in your mind, something that you're struggling with? So the question for us this morning, is it possible with that thing that you have in your mind, is it possible to have hope in the waiting, even if it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just, uh, I thank you for today. I thank you for Kids, I thank you for the energy, I thank you for the excitement, I thank you for Christmas, I thank you for this moment with your word, and God, I pray that you would enlighten your word. God, I pray that uh, you as the hope giver would give hope this morning for those that are struggling. God, I pray that we would hear from you, that that we wouldn't hear from a program or hear from a pastor who's up here, but ultimately we hear from you. So God, I pray that you would just get me out of the way at this moment, that you'd speak through me. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning we are going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 55, Okay, don't worry, I'm not going to go through every one of those verses, but I felt like I needed to read the entire thing this morning for some context, and also where we're going. Okay, so Luke chapter 1, 32 through 55, and uh, I'd encourage you to turn there. If you've got your smart device, if you have your Bible, turn with me there, because um, we're not going to have it on the screen because of the length. So as you guys are turning there, here's, here's a couple of things that um, I want to give you some context on. So the book of Luke begins with Zachariah and Elizabeth. Right, some of you guys, how many how many kids out there have heard of Zachariah and Elizabeth in the Bible? All right, some of you, that's very good. So, Zachariah and Elizabeth, what do we know about Zachariah and Elizabeth? We know that they were godly people, we know that they were husband and wife, right? And we know that they were advanced in years. And what that means for everybody that's younger in here, it just means that they were old. They were old and they couldn't have kids, and they didn't have kids. So as the the story goes on, Zachariah is in the temple. He's he's doing his job. He's doing his ministry. And the angel Gabriel shows up and he says, listen, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God's heard your prayers. Part of those prayers would have been that he still hadn't had a son or a daughter. That God had heard your prayers and you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John. And that's going to be John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is going to be used in incredible ways in the salvation and the redemption story. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Then about six months later, the angel Gabriel shows up again. But this time, he shows up to the Virgin Mary. And he says the same thing. Do not be afraid. You're going to have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. And then we pick up the story here in 32. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the, the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary bursts into a song. It's a song of worship. And she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in the God of my the God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And when I read this passage and I was preparing for today, I had two questions that immediately came to my mind. Number one, why is Mary's song right here in the visit? Why do we find it right here in the visit? And not only that, why is Mary's song like right now in her life? So I don't have time really to, to look at the why is it there in the visit. So I'm just going to kind of hit this quickly. But it just seemed to be weird to me that all of a sudden Mary shows up, right, and they have this exchange and all of a sudden she just starts singing. I mean, did you think about that, like you read it and go, where in the world does that come from? Like she would have traveled maybe 80 miles, 100 miles. and It's not like she was writing this song and thought, I'm just looking for an opportunity to start singing. Right? Just like, Elizabeth, say hi, and then I'm going to start singing. Like, that's not what was going on there. It seems to be more spontaneous. And it appears to me that Mary, at least if I'm in Mary's shoes, I'm going, I'm trying to make sense of all of this stuff. Like, the angel, what I know of Scripture, what he said to me, can this be true? Like, is this really happening? And then when she shows up and Elizabeth says what she says, and John does what John does, There's confirmation for Mary in that moment. And because of that, she's overwhelmed with joy and going, wow, this is really happening. Like, my reality has just become more real. My hope has just become more real. The Messiah is actually coming, the Messiah that I was waiting for. And this Messiah is going to bring light into the darkness. And not only that, he is going to change the course of all human history. Like, that's why she is so excited But then, why here, as far as now in her life, I should say? Some of you might go, well, why in the world would you say now in her life? Like, you just got done talking about there's confirmation in the exchange between Elizabeth and Mary, and the angel came to her and said, look, um, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah, and don't be afraid, and this has been all the waiting, and like, why wouldn't she be excited? And I think that if we're not careful, we kind of go there like, duh, why wouldn't Mary be excited? Because we're looking back. Does that make sense? Like, we know the story. And because we know the story, we look back to Mary and go, well, why wouldn't Mary be excited about that? But that was not Mary's situation. So I want us to put us, I I want to try to put us in Mary's shoes right now. So Mary's life has not changed. Her circumstances have not changed, but they might have become worse. Have you thought about that? They could have been worse. The world hadn't changed a whole lot. She's still in the waiting. The Messiah is still going to be in her belly for a while, still has to be born. Who's going to believe her? Who is she going to talk to? Her reputation possibly ruined by some people because now she's pregnant and engaged. And the pregnancy did not come from her husband, Joseph, who she's engaged to. What is Joseph going to say? What are other people going to say? And then the weight of the responsibility to go, I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah. Like, what does it look like to actually raise the Son of God? Right? Like, all of those things going on in her head. And if we, you were Mary or you were Joseph, what are some of the things that you might be thinking in this moment, because she's still in the waiting. So I had an opportunity to teach at Chapel Hill Christian School. Um, and uh, uh, it was just one day a week, and it was missions classes. I had a great time with the kids. And when it came to the end of my time there, I thought, you know what, I just, I just want to say goodbye, and we're going to celebrate with popsicles, right? How many people here like popsicles? <laughs> okay, even the adults are like, yep, okay, I love popsicles too. So we're going to do the popsicle thing, we're going to go outside, right? So in order to do that, I had to buy a bunch of popsicles, and the classes that I met with, they didn't all meet on the same Friday. So it took several fir- Fridays to get through each of the classes. So I brought all these popsicles in, and, and, and right here on the screen, this is the freezer at Chapel Hill Christian School. Obviously, when they took it, there was a bunch of stuff in there that still needed to be put away. But that, that freezer is probably deeper than what it looks. And they gave me permission and said, "Yolk, you can put your popsicles in there, But make sure the door doesn't shut behind you. That's what the lady in the lunchroom told me. I was like, okay, good. So the first couple of Fridays, it worked out really well. And then there was one Friday where I got to the end. And um, I'm thinking about what else I need to do on Friday. I'm thinking about the weekend and everything that's going on. And I had to go near the back to find a spot to put the popsicles in that I hadn't used that day. And guess what happened? The door shut behind me. And I thought, she said, don't allow that to happen. So I thought and say, Wow, what, what, what in the world? And and this one, you can see there's a handle on there. Um, I think that's new. Um, when I was in there, there was a, there was actually a handle that was there. It wasn't a knob, but it was a handle. And I thought to myself, Wow, okay, I'm in. There's a handle. This is going to be easy. I went. And I just started pulling on the handle, and it didn't open. Right. So what do you think I did? Continued pulling on the handle. Right. Have you guys done that? Like somehow I'm pulling on a handle wrong. Like, this thing has to open up the door. I'm sitting there doing it because I'm embarrassed. Like, I'm embarrassed in the moment going, I don't want anybody to know I locked myself in the freezer. So I'm pulling on the handle, but then all of a sudden the cold was setting in. And um, I'm in there in a dress shirt and dress pants. And, and, and I'm starting to think about things like, how long can I last in here? <laughs> like, literally, like, this is coming to my and How long can I pound? And, and when is somebody going to find me? And I don't know how long I was in there. It probably wasn't as long as it felt. But I was in there and I'm pulling, and then I started pounding, and I started yelling, and then all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, hope. <laughs> I have my cell phone. Totally forgot all about it. pulled out my cell phone, looked at it, started dialing, and right at the top it said, "No service, because I was in the freezer. So I didn't have anything any, and, and all of a sudden the hope that I had, it was gone. And I'm pounding, and I'm pulling, and I'm yelling. And finally, somebody from the office, because the classes are away from the kitchen and cafeteria, and nobody was in that area. The offices are close to that area, and they came. Somebody from the office opened it up, and they said, we are so sorry, but when you were pounding and yelling, we could hear it through the ductwork. So we knew something was happening, but (laughs) we didn't know where it was at. So she ended up opening up the door. And at that moment, I had joy and peace, right? I had joy and peace because it all turned out the way that I wanted it to. But Mary didn't have that situation. In Mary, the world hadn't changed. Her circumstances hadn't changed. In fact, it was probably even worse. She was still in the waiting. She was still trying to make sense of everything. And then we end up getting to her song. And what do we see? It's a song of praise, It's this song of worship. So as you guys are thinking about still that thing in your mind where you're like, I'm struggling in the waiting, the question is, when you look at Mary and her song, is there some things that we can learn from that, that we can apply to our lives that would help us to have hope in the waiting, even when things don't turn out the way that we want them to? So the first thing that we see is that Mary focused on God first. Mary focused on God first. Isn't that everything that's going on and how does she start that? She starts by praising and worshiping who? Go ahead. God, okay, right? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Rejoices there has this idea of greatly rejoices, like literally like leaping in celebration. Even in all the uncertainty and even still in the waiting, she's going and she's going magnify and, and rejoice for God. She looked to him first. She didn't look to herself. She didn't look for, to her circumstances. She didn't look to others. She looked to God first. And you know, when we are in times of waiting, sometimes we move into those times of waiting and we've totally lost focus on God, Right? We just look at the things around us and then some of us when we're in waiting for a while we lose focus of god as well and not only do we focus on like lose focus on god as far as fixing our eyes on him but we also lose focus on who he is in the midst of that waiting so the first thing that she does is she focuses on god and we need to focus on god first The second second thing that we see on here is that Mary had a personal relationship with God. Mary had a personal relationship with God. She just didn't know of God, but she had a personal relationship with God. She calls God her what in verse 47. You guys see that? What is it? Savior. God is my Savior. There's this personal relationship. She refers to herself as servant, as a follower of God right? Not only that, but, but, but she looks at and she calls him mighty. She calls him holy, right? She has, not only is she looking to God first, but she has a personal relationship with God. And we too need this personal relationship with God. And I want you to hear this. Whether you have a relationship with Jesus or you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to hear this. The only way to truly have hope is to have a relationship with the hope giver. That's the only way. True hope in this life. Because God's the only one that can change us when our circumstances are not changing. When you have a relationship with God, you know what ends up happening? God is present in our pain. He's present in our waiting. He's present in our disappointments. Like he's here, he's present. And not only that, but he also can take all of these things that are going on in our lives and to bring purpose to it. Only God can do that. Why why do we celebrate and we talk about like the hope of Christmas? And yes, it's about the baby Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. And this is what I want you guys to hear. It's not all about a baby coming into this world and just the gift of, of God coming into our dark darkness to bring the light. It's more than just the baby. It's where the baby was heading. Does that make sense? So the baby was gonna grow up and live the life that we could never live, and that's a life of perfection because we all have this stuff called sin in our lives, right? Do you remember me saying, where did that thought come from where I'm like, You know, you don't do that to other people, especially not to me. It's because I'm broken. Like, I I have this sin in my life, and he lived the life that we could never live, which was perfection, so that he could die on the cross for you and me. He actually died the death that was meant for us because we're all guilty. So he dies, and he rose again, and because of that... We can go through Jesus to fix the relationship we were created for, which is the relationship with our creator, who is God. So it's not just the gift of the baby, but it's the gift of the cross, which leads to the gift of salvation. See that? For you and for me. For you and for me. So when we look at Jesus coming into the world and changing the course of human history, That's how it works. Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. So we need to personally have a relationship with God. The next thing that Mary does is she focuses in on her past. She focuses in on her present. And she focuses in on her future. What do do we see again in these first couple of verses She says, look, he has chosen me, this, this humble estate. She talks about a humble estate, a humble estate there. Mary's like, wait a minute, he saw me and he chose me. Like this is happening like right now, right? This is, this is I'm, I'm young. I'm in the middle of nowhere. N- nobody knows me, <laughs> I'm poor. I have absolutely no social status whatsoever, but yet God saw me and he chose me in the present. We talk about great things for me. Mary says, he's done these great things for me. I'm sure in that moment, Mary was going, he's done great things for me. He's doing great things for me right now, and he's going to do great things for me in the future, right? There's this, there's this past, there's this present, and in the, in, in the future, too, just want to say this when it says, behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Like all generations, Elizabeth called her blessed, right? But it's not just Elizabeth for all generations. She's going to continue to go and go and go and go until Christ comes back. And blessed, I want you to hear this. Blessed isn't like blessed Mary and we need to worship Mary. It's blessed Mary because she was giving birth to the blessing. Does that make sense? That's what makes her blessed. So she's looking at the past. She's looking at the present. She's looking at the future. And guys, when we go through these times of waiting, we need to do the same thing. We need to remember and reflect on what God's done in our lives personally in the past. We need to step and recognize what God's doing in the present. And then we need to trust his promises of what he's going to do in the future. Now, that is so much easier said than done. And I don't know about you, but where I struggle is the present, right? When you're sitting there in the waiting, I could sit there and go, yeah, God did these things in the past for me, and it's awesome, but is He going to show up this time? Like, how does the past actually help me in the present? Like, I have some of those thoughts. I'm like, yeah, you've done it here. Why are you not necessarily doing it now? Like, I need it now. And the future can be the same thing. You look and go, there's promises in the future, and he wants us to hold on to those things. But I struggle sometimes and go, yeah, but that's in the future. Like, what about now? Right? And there's times when I say to recognize what God is doing in the present, there are times where we need to sometimes do that totally in faith. Because there's been times in my life I'm still waiting I'm still waiting for what God did in the present. I'm still, I I don't know. Like, I've had to go to these times and go, God, you say that you're always present. You're always moving. Your kingdom is always moving forward, right? You're sovereign. You're making things work for my good and for your glory. Like, I get all of that, but this does not make sense to me. And because of that, I just got to go, I'm going to worship you in the midst of this because this is who you say you are. And I'm not feeling it, and I'm not seeing it, but I need to sit here for a while. Maybe in this life, maybe in the next, but he is in it. I just got done reading The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Peter uh, Scazzaro, and he says this. He says, why is the waiting so important? God's purpose in endings and losses is not simply about changing your external environment or circumstances. He's doing something even greater, initiating a deeper level of transformation in and through you, far beyond what you may want. And I would add to that, even imagine. (laughs) That's what God does in the waiting. And lastly, Lastly, um, and we're just going to do this quickly, lastly is um, you do basically the above, what we just talked about, the past, the present, and the future, but you do it with other people. You look at other people's past, you look at other people's present, you look at other people's future. In fact, if you go from here, um, from verse 49, once you get into 50, Mary transitions from herself onto other people. And his mercy is for those who fear him. That means respect and awe and worship and follow him from generation to generation. She's looking at all humanity and says, look, God has done things in the past. He's doing things in the present. He's doing things in the future. In God's word, what are the things that he's done in the past? What are some of the things he's going to do in the future? Looking at other people's lives is an encouragement to have them come alongside of you and go, hey, 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 help, help me. Like, how, how did he help you in those situations? How did he show up? How are you experiencing now? What can we celebrate in the future? Does that make sense? So, in the waiting, when you look at Mary's song, we need to focus on God first we need to have a personal relationship with him. We need to remember what he's done in the past, what he's doing in the present, what he's going to do in the future, not only in our lives, but in other people's lives. If I could have the team um, join me up here. So where do we find hope? Let's go back to that original question. Where, where do we find hope when things don't make sense? In the pain and in the disappointment, when things seem to, to get worse, when things aren't turning out the way that we want them to? where do we go? Where do we look? What do we remember? What do we look forward to? And I want to go back to those that may not have a relationship with God this morning. Let me encourage you this Christmas season, consider what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. Consider what it is to actually have a relationship with the God that you were created for. Spend some time kind of chewing on that. Because like I said, the only way to truly find hope is in the hope giver. Do you remember I gave the story about the freezer, right? No matter my position, no matter how much money I had, regardless of my reputation... Regardless, if I'm sitting there and I'm smart enough to know how to get out of the freezer, if I could figure out how to get the tour off. Like, no matter what I was in that situation, it was taking somebody else from the outside to open up that door. And that's what God did with Jesus. God says, I'm coming to you. (laughs) I'm coming to you. You're not coming to me, I'm coming to you. The gift of the baby the gift of the cross, the gift of life. I've come, I've given, but will you receive? Will you receive? And for those of you that have found joy and peace at this point, the joy, the peace, the hope that's there, we need to step into other people's lives. Let me encourage you to do that. We need to step into people's lives that don't know Jesus, that don't have the hope to point them to Jesus, to come alongside of them and love them regardless of their decision, but also help them understand what it's like to have a relationship with him. And not only people that don't know Jesus, but the people that do know Jesus that are in here, that are struggling with their faith right now, in the waiting, in the, in the, I, I don't have hope, I don't have joy, I don't have peace, to actually step into their lives and to come alongside of them. Support them and love on them. Point them to Jesus. So no matter what it is that you're going through, no matter how long you've been going through it, no matter if it's turning out the way that you want it to or not, I am telling you, you all have access to hope. (laughs) Because hope has a name. Hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. Merry Christmas, everybody.